It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. This show is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, and we are a company that provides life-changing nutrition information. And today, we're going to be talking about a very common reproductive issue that occurs in premenopausal women. It's called polycystic ovarian syndrome, and it's referred to as PCOS. And I'm Cara Carper, a licensed nutritionist and nutrition educator, and today, I'm excited to be here with Cassie Wienis, who is a licensed dietitian, also a nutrition educator, and a corporate presenter. Cassie sees clients at our YZ office. It's great to be here with you again today, Cassie. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago that we was were about a month ago. on air together. Yeah, we had a great show that day, and I know we're going to have a great show today. Um, and I want to say welcome to all of the listeners as well. And of course, good morning to my two biggest fans back home, Riley and Marissa. Rissy, as she likes to be called. I have to tell a cute story. It was, I forget if it was Thursday or Friday this week. You know, I always have menus written out. And so we know what we're eating for breakfast. We know what we're eating for supper and usually some leftovers at lunch for the kids and I on days I don't work. But there was a day I didn't have a breakfast planned. And Riley just jumped in on that when he saw that I didn't have anything um, in mind when we came down for breakfast. And he said, Mom, can I pick my breakfast? And I said, What are you thinking? And he said, um, depends, how? right? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. It depends. And he said, how about turkey and mayonnaise and an apple? Oh, good job. Oh my gosh. I said, That's perfect. And so I went on to explain, you just picked the magic number three protein. We had a good mayonnaise, so healthy fat and your apple is your carbohydrate. So then it was so cute. The four-year-old jumped in, not wanting to be outdone. And she said, mommy, when I get to pick I'll pick peas and apples. <laughs> and I'm sure she was thinking, Mom likes us to eat vegetables yep. and fruits. So I said, sure, we'll have peas and apples when you You can pick. sneak in the, the fat and the protein. I and figured she'll I'll be just happy. add a couple things there. Yeah, <laughs> so that was cute. But yeah, it's great to be on the show again with you today. Like I said, I think this is going to be another great topic, a really interesting topic, sort of a complex topic. Like you mentioned, putting some talking points together for this, it was it was a more difficult topic mm-hmm. because you really had to delve into some research. And I know there are a lot of women out there listening that have never heard of PCOS before. Um, so stay tuned because I think you're really going to be enlightened. And I'm sure there are some listeners out there that have already gotten this diagnosis. It's a growing condition. The statistics say that about 1 in 15 women have PCOS. Now, I believe this estimation is probably low because like a lot of other health conditions, it can be difficult to diagnose. So there's probably a lot more women out there experiencing these symptoms who haven't been technically diagnosed. And I think that's why this show is going to be so important because, you know, even if we catch just a few people who say, oh, I have those symptoms after listening to the show, you know, that's going to be very helpful to get the diagnosis. Absolutely. Uh, But just to repeat the name of this syndrome, it's polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS, and even if you're not a premenopausal woman and you're thinking to yourself, you know, maybe this doesn't pertain to you, still stay tuned because 
you might recognize some of these symptoms and you might be able to help, you know, someone in your life, your daughter, your sister, partner, friend, maybe a coworker who is struggling with some of these symptoms. Right, exactly. And as always, the nutrition advice that we're going to be giving today is not just for women with PCOS. The food plan we're going to recommend for PCOS can benefit anybody struggling with diabetes, anybody struggling with heart disease, or even obesity. So let's start by going over the group of symptoms that are related to PCOS. Um, One of the symptoms is having an irregular menstrual cycle. This could be abnormally light, it might be heavy, or it could be an absent menstrual cycle. Acne is often common with PCOS. Excess body hair, that could be all over the body, or facial hair as well. Mm -hmm. The facial hair tends to be kind of dark and more stubbly. Mm -hmm. Also, pattern baldness. We would say male pattern baldness, but this is a female disorder. So it's, you know, but it's thinning hair on top of the head. Right. Right. Those are some of the classic signs. Other signs are weight gain and a really hard time losing weight despite your best efforts. And really, when you think about it, this excess weight gain or this difficulty losing weight goes hand in hand with insulin resistance. And the fact is women with PCOS are more insulin resistant than not. And insulin resistant can insulin resistance, excuse me, can lead to prediabetes. Sometimes that keeps moving forward to full blown diabetes. And when we talk about this weight gain that often comes with PCOS, typically it's that apple shape, the person that tends to gain more weight around the middle versus somebody that's going to gain weight in their hips and thighs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because of the excess fat that's stored around the middle, women with PCOS also will often have high triglycerides. So it really makes sense when we're looking at all of these different symptoms. It makes sense that if it's left untreated that things like prediabetes, diabetes, high triglycerides could lead to more serious conditions, you know, cardiovascular issues. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're told. You know, if you get diagnosed in the medical setting, the first thing they start telling you is you're more at risk for heart Mm -hmm. disease and diabetes and, I mean, scary things, but it doesn't have to be. And we're going to talk about reversing some of these um, likelihoods of developing these other diseases as we go on today. And another thing we haven't mentioned yet about PCOS is that it's the most common cause of infertility in women. And that's huge. I mean, we, you know, I've had people come into my office, you have as well, trying to have kids. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's an undiagnosed case of PCOS. Right. But PCOS's namesake symptom is having multiple cysts on the ovaries. And this makes sense if you break down the actual word. Poly means many. So polycystic ovaries just means many cysts on the ovaries. Right. Now, not all women with PCOS are going to have every one of these symptoms we just talked about. But having several symptoms, we feel, means you should probably make an appointment with an expert, like an endocrinologist who specializes in hormones, so that somebody that can really look at the whole picture can determine whether or not you do have PCOS. And keep in mind, some women will not even have these cysts on their ovaries, but they might have many of the other symptoms like the facial hair and the apple shape and the weight gain. And that reminds me of a client I had several years ago who was had been diagnosed with PCOS. She did not have the outward appearance of the symptoms we were talking about, though. She didn't have excess weight gain, acne, 
or hair loss or facial hair. But she had very high blood sugars and insulin levels because Mm -hmm. she was very insulin resistant. And her hormones were completely out of balance, you know, very low in progesterone, high in DHEA, and some other hormones were out of of balance. We're going to talk more about that. And she also had the irregular menstrual cycles, and she did have cysts present on her ovaries. So she had the ultrasound, yeah, to get that piece diagnosed. Interesting, right. So like we said, you're not going to... Probably no one person with PCOS is going to have every one of the symptoms. Right. Everybody's going to present a little bit differently. And when you look at what causes this PCOS, it's still not quite black and white, somewhat of a mystery still in terms of the cause, but there are several factors that we do know play a role in the development of this condition. First of all, there's strong evidence that genetics play a role. And obviously this part is out of our control. We can't change our genes, but we can always control what we're putting in our mouths. And a little later in the show, we're going to talk about why that matters so much. Right. And Cassie, we've talked about this on other shows that, you know, while genetics play a small role in many diseases, it's approximately, they say, 10 percent. It's really our lifestyle and our eating habits that are influencing the other 90 percent. So that's actually great news. Right. Right. That we can make a huge difference no matter what our genes are. Mm -hmm. And there's other research in this area of PCOS that points to imbalanced hormones in the mother during pregnancy. Isn't that interesting? So these imbalanced hormone patterns that the mother who's carrying the baby has are passed on to the female embryo, but then, of course, they don't show up in the child until the time puberty begins. Right. Isn't that something? And so, and you know, PCOS is a disorder in reproductive aged women. Mm -hmm. And that really, that age can vary, but it's usually somewhere around the ages between 10 and I'd say 50. Right. So it's typically young women who start developing signs of PCOS, teenagers, women that are in college, 20s, 30s. Right. That's when the signs first start. Um, And Dr. John Lee, some of you may have heard us talk about him before. He's an international expert on using progesterone creams. He's had a lot of clients with PCOS over the years and has treated them naturally. And he's convinced that it's what we call xenoestrogens that the pregnant mother is exposed to that damage the embryo's ovarian follicles, making them dysfunctional. So let's just talk for a second about xenoestrogens. It's kind of a big word. It is. Um, They're actually environmental pollutants. They act like estrogen on the developing baby's tissues. So I'm just going to give a few examples of what xenoestrogens could be. Um, Some pesticides contain them, which, you know, that could be sprayed on food or maybe sprayed on lawns. Some hormones in meat have them. Even ingredients in skincare products, things you may have heard of like parabens, and, you know, many of our listeners, I'm sure, have, have heard about heating up plastic in the microwave and how that's oh, bad. That's just, actually one of the reasons. Yeah. You know, when the softer plastics are heated, they actually leach out xenoestrogens into food. When I see people microwaving in plastic, I am like running for the microwave. Say no. <laughs> I know. Especially so if it's use something glass. for my child. <laughs> Yes, and having you bring up the whole spraying the lawn thing, if my husband's listening, I I said to him the other day, could we maybe not spray the lawn this year? He used to be a landscaper, so that oh, didn't go good. over real well, but I'm going to keep working on it. 
Is it time for a break? It is. It's time for us to take a break. Um, first, I do want to share some information from an article that was published in the February edition of a journal called Nature. Robert Lustig, he's a professor of pediatric endocrinology at the University of California, and he writes that many people are consuming a substance that's so toxic that it should be taxed, yes. similar to alcohol and tobacco. So I want everybody to think about this while we go to break. I know what it is. You do what? Because uh-huh. you read it. We'll, we'll talk more about it when we come back. You are listening to Dish, Dishing Up Nutrition. And if you have a question for us today about polycystic ovarian syndrome, please give us a call at 651-641-1071. If you're like me, you try to eat right, but the definition of healthy eating seems like a moving target. Should I eat low-carb or low-fat? Do eggs and butter raise my cholesterol? Is coffee good after all? Don't rely on sound bites and infomercials for something as important as your health. You deserve recommendations based on biochemistry. Nutritional Weight and Wellness is offering My Talk 1071 listeners a complimentary e-newsletter that is chock full of nutrition information and tips. The Weight and Wellness Way newsletter provides sound information and practical strategies from a nutritionist's perspective. Learn a natural approach to healthy eating based on real whole foods you buy at the grocery store. All this and best of all, it's free. To subscribe to the complimentary Weight and Wellness Way e-newsletter, go to weightandwellness.com and enter your email address. Then watch your inbox every month for nutrition news and special offers that will help you look and feel your best. For information on other services at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, call 651-699-3438. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Cassie Wienis, licensed dietitian, and I'm here this morning with Kara Carper, licensed nutritionist. Now, before we went to break, Kara mentioned a doctor who recently wrote an article claiming that a substance is so toxic that it needs to be taxed like alcohol and tobacco. And I'm betting some of you listeners have guessed what that substance is. Dr. Robert Lustig says that sugar, sugar is the main culprit of the obesity epidemic and other metabolic conditions like diabetes, thyroid issues, reproductive disorders like the PCOS we're talking about today. And he actually, that's what he said in, in the article. It referred to he even said endocrine PC- disorders like Endoc- PCOS. Interesting. Mm-hmm. There's somebody else there, out there talking about it besides <laughs> just us. Right. That is great. And his message is really simple, just as ours is. We should focus on real food is what this Dr. Robert Lustig is saying. He says, focus on real food that doesn't contain added sweeteners, additives, or man-made ingredients like trans fats. I mean, it just all goes back to that message. Mm -hmm. What would your great-grandmother have eaten? Or one of my clients said to me the other day, I just think, what would Jesus have eaten? (laughs) Oh, yeah, let's go back that far. (laughs) Sure. And, you know, um, he... When I read the article, mm-hmm. people are kind of comparing him to Gary Taubes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe we have to have um, this Dr. Robert Lustig, Lustig on the show, yeah. too, then we'll talk sometime. to Dyer about that. Yeah. <laughs> Dyer, are you listening? Um, so let's see. Where were we? We were talking about xenoestrogens, or you were explaining xenoestrogens, Cara. Um, I think we should kind of start thinking about or talking about what can people do if they think maybe they have PCOS? So let's say somebody's listening, 
they have a lot of these body signs. They're thinking, oh, maybe that's me. Maybe I have PCOS. We know, obviously, you can't control that possible genetic piece. You can't control the possibility that maybe you were exposed to some of these toxic estrogens or these xenoestrogens as a fetus. But what you can control is what you're eating. And there's some other pieces of the puzzle that you can control, too. So let's tell everybody what Mm -hmm. steps they can take to sort of minimize these symptoms and prevent further risk of other diseases down the road. Like diabetes and cardiovascular disease. Right. Well, the things that women do have control over are... You know, as far as factors in getting PCOS, people have control somewhat, I would say, over stress, Yep. (laughs) um, at how much they're exercising, and also, of course, what they're eating. What they're choosing to put in their mouth. You know, when you say stress, lack of exercise, and poor diet, it makes me think of college. I know, doesn't it? (laughs) Ah, The trifecta. (laughs) the The trifecta, there you go. Triple whammy. So when you think about it that way, it's easy to understand how a woman in her early 20s gets into a pattern of stressed out with all the tests you have and and college stuff, not sleeping enough, not exercising. We all can remember our college days and, and think of our poor eating habits. And then think about if someone is already susceptible to PCOS because of their genetics or because what they were exposed to as a fetus these college habits could put them over the edge and then they start having symptoms. Maybe it's the weight gain around the middle. Maybe it's irregular menstruation. Maybe it's the facial hair or they start having acne. So these symptoms start, but still many women don't discover they have PCOS until they're trying to get pregnant and they're Mm -hmm. unable to. And when we say, you know, when we refer to eating poorly, and that that can contribute to PCOS. What we're referring to is a diet that includes a lot of processed carbohydrates. Things like chips, pizza, crackers, cereal, muffins, pasta, popcorn, bread, sweets in general, and soda. And I guess, you know, putting that list together... <laughs> <laughs> Makes me think of college. Right, but bagels. My, I needed my bagel. bagels oh, I with jelly bagels on too. top in there. Macaroni and cheese. Several of those foods, unfortunately, did make their way into my dorm room. Me too. So, but we we know better now, right, Cassie? Right, right. (laughs) And so those are all processed carbs. You know, and, and the sad thing about it is that when I think of eating several of those foods day in and day out in college, it was because I was being taught that low fat, high carb was the way to go. Right. So... I was taught that cereal and popcorn and bagels were the right choices. So it's really it's really sad when you think about it. But right, all these things we're talking about, the cereal, the pasta, the bagels, they're definitely processed carbs. And the thing about all those examples is that when people eat them, their blood sugar blood sugar, excuse me, goes up way too high. And when your blood sugar skyrockets, it's always going to have an opposite and equal reaction and then your blood sugar plummets an hour or two later, and that rock-bottom blood sugar leads to more cravings for those processed carbs. Mm -hmm. So it really becomes a vicious cycle. Cassie, we have a—oh, we had a caller. She dropped off. I was going to say, hopefully she'll come back. Yeah, Jessica, I saw that you had called, so give us a call back if you were listening. Yeah. So, yes, Cassie, those are all processed carbs, and you get in that vicious cycle of the up-and-down blood sugar— And really eating that way for an extended period of time 
can create chronic high insulin levels. So it's high insulin in the blood that leads to insulin resistance. And what insulin resistance means, that just means your body is less likely to burn glucose or carbohydrates as energy and much more likely to store those carbohydrates as fat. And so, you know, that's when we talk about gaining weight around the middle and it's difficult to lose weight. And insulin resistance is what can lead to prediabetes and we all know what prediabetes can lead to, you know, full-blown full blown diabetes. diabetes. Right. Um, and here's an interesting statistic. The University of Chicago Medical Center has found that 1 in 10 women with PCOS will have diabetes by the age of 40. And, you know, if you have PCOS and a piece of the puzzle is that you are carrying that extra weight around your middle, that's really what tips the scale mm-hmm. towards diabetes, the extra weight along with the PCOS. So let's talk about ways to lower these high insulin levels. You know, the best way to do so is really eliminating the processed carbohydrates, get rid of the excess sugar, stop soda, and switch to eating vegetables and fruit for the carbohydrates. Like peas and apple for peas breakfast. Peas and apples. Like Your daughter is so <laughs> smart. You've taught her well. Oh. And now we know that for people listening, Especially if you're a teenager, young woman, you know, even women, we know, in our 30s and 40s, this type of change can sound very overwhelming to get rid of the processed carbs Mm -hmm. and eat fruits and vegetables for carbs. It's a big change. But, you know, Cassie, the consequences of PCOS can be very serious. And very overwhelming. Exactly. And so I really think changing eating is something that has to be done to You know, we can reverse the symptoms or at least minimize these symptoms. Absolutely. And also, you know, when we talk about how do you lower insulin levels, people need to be eating plenty of animal protein and healthy fats with their vegetables and fruits. That protein and that fat, they're both full of great nutrients and they don't require much insulin. So they help to sort of bring down or balance out those blood sugars and balance out those insulin levels. So think about what you had for breakfast this morning or what a typical breakfast maybe is for some of you listeners out there. If it's the typical American breakfast, which is a bowl of cold cereal and some skim milk poured over the top, that's sugar and sugar. Mm -hmm. That's going to contribute to that PCOS. A good switch you could make is some eggs, some organic eggs in the morning. So maybe you want to do an egg omelet. And if they're organic eggs, you can do them every day. They're filled with great nutrients. Maybe throw some spinach in that egg omelet and cook it all in some good butter. That would be a very low insulin producing meal, which is exactly what you want. Or instead of having a sandwich for lunch, because really the, you know, two Two pieces pieces of of bread bread contain way too many carbohydrates Mm -hmm. for someone that is insulin resistant. And so lunch could be a salad with a chicken breast and, you know, other veggies would be great on the salad besides lettuce and then top it off with a healthy salad dressing as the good fat. Yep. And we have a delicious ranch dressing recipe on our website. It's under the snack portion. It's called little dippers. We're trying to get kids to eat more veggies Mm -hmm. and dip it, but it's great on top of a salad too. So if you want to go to our website, yeah. yeah, And go to weightandwellness.com and click on recipes the ranch recipe is called little dippers um otherwise annie's i've bought the annie's mm-hmm. dressing that's before, a good brand that's a good one too so you know it can be hard for women to make these changes i know i've been there 
it, but especially I always think, man, high school, college, that's an especially hard time to make these types of changes, but it's well worth it. And we have these clients all the time, don't we, Cara? We do. Yep. We have a lot of young women coming in. A lo- with I us. have a lot of teenagers. I have a handful of college girls and they are doing excellent. And I really feel a part of it is that they're hearing this message from somebody other than mom or dad. Mm-hmm. We're both parents, you know, we know that sometimes that message from mom and dad, especially about food, because food is a personal thing, doesn't always go too far. But if you can get your child in for a consultation and hear this message from an expert, that can do a world of good. Cassie, it is time for another break here. But first, I would like to mention some more recent news. This is from... Last week was in the news. It seems sugar is in the news a lot lately. Yeah. Uh, but the University of Minnesota School of Public Health found that drinking two or more regular soft drinks per week may almost double the risk of pancreatic cancer. Oh, my Lord. I had not heard that. Yes. And, you know, there was um, a study, I think it was 2010, with 600,000 people. It was out of Singapore. I came across that research. Also linking soda to pancreatic cancer. So this is another study, more recent, though. But we would love to take your calls today. So please get in touch with us at 651-641-1071. Welcome back. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. And if you're just joining us, I'm Cassie Wienis, here with Cara Carper today. Polycystic ovarian syndrome is our topic. Now, Cara talked about a study, as we were going to break, that was done right here in our backyard at the U of M School of Public Health. It stated that two or more regular soft drinks per week almost doubles the risk of pancreatic cancer. This was the first time I had heard this research. But during the break, Cara updated me a little bit. And what the research speculates is that the sugar overload from soda, how does that go? So the sugar overload from soda triggers excess insulin production, which fuels cancer cell growth. Now, we've talked before on our show about how excess insulin fuels Mm -hmm. the fire when it comes to cancer. So I guess really when we look at this, we shouldn't be surprised. No, it's just interesting because you don't see research like this coming out right. every day. Well, we this is great. We have a couple callers. So, oh, good. Laura, welcome to the show today. Do you have a question for us? Hi. Um, I was just, um, I, I've known for a while that I am um, exhibiting symptoms of PCOS. My mom had it. My sister has it. And I'm in college, and I was just wondering what some good snack substitutions were. I mean, I'm away from my house. All day, I don't have a refrigerator when I'm on campus at classes. So I was just wondering what some good things I could bring with me to, you know, keep me full during the day without having to have a refrigerator on hand. That's a great question. I think if you don't mind, Laura, do you want to just hang up and listen? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Thanks yeah, for calling great in. great question. Okay, well, one thing that comes to mind, and I guess I don't know if she's going to like this suggestion, but <laughs> if you like beef jerky... That's a great way to get protein. Um, Try to get nitrate-free, which you Mm -hmm. may need to go to a co-op or a natural food store. Yep. Even Target, though, has a brand now. Oh, do they? It's called Perky Jerky. (laughs) That just popped in my head. Weird name. But, yeah, so... But a co-op or a natural food store would have more options. Like beef jerky or beef sticks or turkey. Or turkey sticks. Mm -hmm. So that would be your protein Mm -hmm. and then maybe um, some grapes. 
and, sure, or a clementine. A clementine keeps well, you know, even if you don't have a little ice pack. And then a handful of nuts. Yep, perfectly balanced. So beef jerky, clementine, or other piece of fruit, handful of nuts. Um, oh, I'm trying to think. You know, the protein piece is always a hard one. When you're out and about, I know it's hard, it's kind of hard to think of non refrigerated. We have a great protein shake recipe on our website, and you know it probably should be it, refrigerated. Well, but and you could though. You know, I have to send a little snack to school with my son, and on some days he leaves for daycare very early, and then gets on the bus from there and goes to school, and so this has to stay. And I just have a small. It is small, a small little um, insulated black bag, and it a little ice pack fits in there and then I'll put his snack in there so you could and then that goes in his backpack Mm -hmm. so you can certainly find some small little insulated bag to carry that protein shake is great and you can I save old glass jars and I'll put my protein shake in there so that it doesn't spill and you could be taking that out and sipping on it during class. That's great for on the go. I actually love that idea Cara and again that's on our website at weightandwellness.com and remember at the very least on those days when you just can't pack a protein, at least have carbohydrate and healthy fat. So even if you had to take a little bit of dried fruit, two tablespoons is all it would take, and like a quarter cup of nuts and put that in a little snack Fruit and baggie. nuts are always At least that's going to balance her blood sugar. Yeah, at least it's going to balance mm-hmm. her blood sugar and keep her from riding that blood sugar roller coaster, which only contributes to the insulin resistance that is at the core of PCOS. So hopefully that's helpful. That is a great question, though. Yes. I'm going to take another caller here. Good morning, Penny. Welcome to our show. Do you have a question today? Yeah, I've been doing some, um, using my veggie, or my, what is it called? Uh, Like my food processor to make um, veggie drinks. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've been doing vegetables and fruits like kale. I know that, that always says, everyone always says that's really good. And um, making fruit drinks for breakfast, and for fruit and veggie drinks for breakfast and for lunch, and I've been also eating nuts with it. And then for dinner, I've been just eating a really tried up light dinner with usually chicken or fish. Um, what is that as far as, how is that with my, you know, my insulin level, or how would that be with for my insulin level during the day? Well, it what sounds like, so for your breakfast, if, you know, and that's a great way to get, Fruit and vegetables, and especially lots like of them in kale. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it sounds like you're having nuts, so you're getting good, healthy carbohydrates, and the nuts would be the fat. One thing that I would recommend just to balance it out a little more is if to add a whey protein powder and kind okay. of make it into more of a balanced smoothie. Um, okay. That way, you're getting that protein piece. I think that's really going to stabilize your blood sugar more, you know, than just having yeah fruits, veggies, and nuts. Yeah, you might be balancing your blood sugar okay with what you're doing. The protein will help even more. But there's so many other reasons, isn't there, Cara, to get the protein? Mm-hmm. You know, to maintain a healthy metabolism okay. lifelong, you want the protein. Um, you know, for good brain chemical production, good moods, great energy, you want the animal protein. So does that sound doable to add a little whey protein powder? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. wonderful. Great question. And I think your dinner sounds good. You said uh, steamed veggies and chicken or fish? Usually chicken or fish, yep. Okay. Perfect. I mean, that sounds perfect. Just make sure you are getting some healthy fat. The fat is actually the number one thing that's going to stabilize blood sugar. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm staying away from the, I'm like doing just plain almonds or just, you know, almonds with no, with no salt, I mean, and stuff like that. Yeah, perfect. Wonderful. Yep, okay. that's perfectly balanced. Thanks. Yep, thanks for your call. 
Cassie, right. you know, we, that was a good question that kind of yeah. leads us into how do we balance blood sugar? How do mm-hmm. we keep insulin from going too high? And I want to talk for a minute about insulin because insulin is a hormone. Right. We actually call it the master hormone because it affects all other hormones. And according to Dr. Gerilyn Pryor, she's actually one of the nation's top doctors and researchers on PCOS. She explains that insulin stimulates androgen receptors on the outside of the ovary, causing the symptoms of excess hair on the body and face, thinning hair on the head, and acne. Mm. So androgens are sometimes referred to as male hormones. But really, both females and males have hormones like that are androgens, testosterone, right. for example. But in PCOS, it's testosterone is usually too high in women. Right. And the androgens, like testosterone, also play a role in blocking the release of the egg from the follicle, which means no ovulation. And this is the obvious reason for PCOS being the most common cause of infertility in women. So, Cassie, if everything was working properly, I just want to go over this scenario. And since it wasn't that long ago since you had a baby, you would be the perfect one to talk about this. (laughs) So with normal ovulation, what happened to both you and I? Right. (laughs) uh, Once the follicle releases the egg into the fallopian tube for its journey to the uterus, there is a surge of estrogen and progesterone production. And progesterone production is actually 200 to 300 times higher than estrogen at this point. And progesterone has been coined the hormone of pregnancy because it does support a woman's pregnancy. Right. And if the egg is not fertilized, then there's that sudden drop in hormones, which leads to the menstrual bleeding. And then this cycle would happen each month. But sometimes the follicle does not release the egg Mm -hmm. and instead actually becomes a cyst on the outside of the ovary. Or perhaps multiple follicles become multiple cysts. So that's the definition of the polycystic ovaries. Well, it makes sense that when this occurs, there's no ovulation. Mm -hmm. And because there's no ovulation, there's no large surge or large rise in progesterone either. So that natural sequence of hormones is thrown off. The estrogen and testosterone are increased. So a woman in this type of situation is going to have very low progesterone that's out of balance with the high estrogen and high testosterone. Mm-hmm. And Dr. John Lee, I talked about him earlier. Dr. John Lee, who has helped a lot of women with PCOS over the years reverse their symptoms, he used a natural progesterone cream in his practice with all of his PCOS patients. And he always said if progesterone levels rise each month as they're supposed to, this maintains the normal pattern and PCOS rarely occurs. He also states that natural progesterone should be the basis of PCOS treatment along with attention to stress, exercise, and nutrition, Mm -hmm. which we sort of mentioned a little bit earlier in the show. And it's not an incredibly high amount of progesterone that he's recommending. It's basically what a woman would normally produce if she were ovulating. So it's about 15 to 20 milligrams a day. And he says from day 14 on of the menstrual cycle. So, you know, if the cycle's 28 days, it would be from day 14 to 28. Mm -hmm. And this is an interesting statistic that we found in doing research for the show. The odds of a woman having too much estrogen and too little progesterone production are 50% by the time she reaches age 35. Probably why it works for me to do a little progesterone (laughs) cream most nights. It helps me sleep. Me too. You're doing it too? Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So we actually carry, and I don't know if you're doing the same one as me, Cara, but we carry a high-quality natural progesterone cream, the one that I use um, at our office. It's by a company called, I always say it, Emerita. Yep, that's Am I how saying I that right. It. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's just called Progest, and again, it's by the company called Emerita. I use it every night. That's the one I use as well. Yeah, just a little bit on thin-skinned areas like the size of a pea each night. It works wonders. And Dr. Lee, he's very clear about the fact that you can't just expect one thing to eliminate PCOS symptoms. So his Good books point. say you can't just take progesterone and you can't just cut out the sugar. You usually need to do both to see improvements. Mm-hmm. So he covers these recommendations in his book, What Your Doctor May Not Tell You About Premenopause. A good book. And it is already time for our last we break. We need to take I'm our so last sad. break. When we come back, we'll tell you about some of our wonderful classes coming up next week. And these classes vary from two to three hours in length. They're very reasonably priced, as low as $25. Or can you say they're too low priced is what I keep telling Dar, but yeah, good deal. It's great for the listeners, though, to get in on that. absolutely. And you're going to walk away with tons of information and be motivated to make better food choices. And give us a call if you have any questions today at 651 641-1071, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. We're back, and you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Cassie Wienis here with Cara Carper. We have some great classes coming up this week that we want to tell you about before we get back into the topic of PCOS today. And I'm just going to summarize the names of the classes and the locations. You can always get more information on our website at weightandwellness.com. So coming up on Monday, this Monday, March 5th, we have Nutritional Solutions for Osteoporosis at our St. Paul office. Um, Love that class. I loved how you described it. I think it was last week, Cara, you said there's so much misinformation Mm -hmm. out there about bone health. And that's so true. So those myths are dispelled in this class. And then we have Hot Flash Solutions for Menopause and Perimenopause at our North Oaks office. Um. And then on, that's on Monday as well. Tuesday, March 6th, we have the Food Connection to ADD, ADHD being taught in Hudson. And then it's being taught again on Wednesday, March 7th in Woodbury. And my favorite class of all regarding nutrition for kids, it's called Foods to Build Happy Focused Kids, is being offered on Thursday this week, March 8th, in Plymouth. And again, you can go to our our website, weightandwellness.com, for times and exact locations, or you can call the office. The gals are in at St. Paul already this morning. You can call them at 651-699-3438, either with questions or to register. So back to our topic. You know, I wanted to mention, you were talking about... Um, more about John Lee. Dr. Bef- Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before we went to break and talking about his book, which I would highly recommend for anybody that has PCOS. It's called What Your Doctor May Not Tell You About Premenopause. I want to kind of go the other direction for just a mi- minute and talk about what some of the more conventional doctors are now leaning towards when somebody has PCOS, and that's a drug called metformin. Metformin is a drug in pill form that was developed originally to treat prediabetes and diabetes. And the reason why the doctors are leaning, some of the conventional doctors, are leaning towards metformin for PCOS is that it helps the cells to be just a little bit more receptive to insulin. And remember, we talked earlier about how someone with PCOS most often has a lot of insulin resistance. 
But the, there is a downside to metformin. Or many downsides. Yeah. And you know, with all medications, I mean, there are some side mm-hmm. effects. Some of the most common side effects are digestive issues, muscle pain, dizziness, and flu-like symptoms. And those, you know, those are not life or death, but... But not uh, fun. No. And other there are other side effects, though, that can be a lot more serious, like a severe allergic reaction, an imbalance in electrolytes. And almost one in 10 people who take metformin are likely to experience low levels of vitamin B12. So just thinking of that side effect alone, being deficient in vitamin B12, that can lead to numbness and tingling, memory loss, or anemia. Scary stuff. Pretty serious things. Mm -hmm. And something that to me would make a lot more sense is actually it's another supplement it's called Estrofactors. Mm-hmm. So in addition to using a natural progesterone cream for PCOS, I would recommend taking Estrofactors. What it is, it's just a combination of nutrients that detoxify excess estrogens. Mm-hmm. And we had said earlier that with PCOS, there's often excess estrogen as well as testosterone. Right. We talked about those xenoestrogens, which I always think right. of as the excess Negative Excess toxic, yeah, estrogens. estrogens. And those estrofactors just help to grab on to those toxic estrogens mm-hmm. and carry them out of the body. They do it through, metabolize them through the liver. Mm-hmm. They help with that process. Yeah, and I had a client, um, she came to me last year, and she was wanting to lose weight and control her compulsive overeating. Those were her goals. But as I looked at her health history, my first goal after reading her health history, was to get her off of the metformin that she'd been on for years due to her diagnosis of polycystic ovarian syndrome. One of the many things I did put her on was estrofactors. Did you? Mm-hmm. D- Cassie, did she have a lot of the classic signs of PCOS? Like, did she have weight gain around the middle, facial hair, and you acne? Know, it was interesting because I remember my first impression of her was, oh my gosh, she's beautiful. She, you know, not by the time I saw her, I guess is my answer to your question, Cara, but I believe the metformin that she'd been on for years had helped her to lose a little weight. And she was on some prescription creams back then for her acne. And I think she was getting electrolysis or either some waxing for some facial hair. Mm -hmm. So really, I mean, she was doing a a decent job of putting a Band-Aid over all of the indicators of PCOS, but she wasn't addressing the underlying cause. Well, you mentioned she had a lot of cravings, so mm-hmm. I'm guessing was it some of those cravings for sugar and carbohydrates that actually led her down the road to getting PCOS? That's certainly where my train of thought went immediately, and she, I remember her telling me once that she was sort of a chunky baby. Aren't babies supposed to be chunky <laughs> is what my thought was, but she was sort of a chunky baby, and so by the time she was just one year old, they had her drinking skim oh milk. Oh, my gosh. They were trying to cut back on fat so that she slimmed down, and she was only one. So like she said to me, she had basically been on a diet since a baby, and she and I both believe that that skim milk diet at one year old began to set her up to have strong sugar cravings for years and years to come. So uh, when you were telling me about this earlier, I and I just have to I I have to jump in here about the low uh, fat diet thing for kids because that is just not good in any situation. No, when children of any age are put on low fat diets, they automatically consume more sugar. That's mm-hmm. just what happens. And we always we talk about Mary Enig. She's a renowned nutritionist who's vice president of the Weston Price Foundation. She has research showing that children put on low-fat diets 
actually had increased markers for heart disease, higher BMIs, and greater insulin resistance. There you go. So from what you are saying, you know, being put on a low-fat diet at age one can also set people up to have sugar cravings and carb cravings. Mm -hmm. And there she came to me with certainly a lot of insulin resistance and having PCOS puts you at a higher risk for heart disease. I mean, it's just backing up what Mary Ennig said. Mm -hmm. So interesting to connect all those dots. And when I think about my client, you know, not only was she doing all this sugar because of her intense cravings by the time she came to see me, but she was doing her fair share at the time of Diet Pop and Crystal Light. And we know, don't we, that artificial sweeteners are another component that can contribute to the development of insulin resistance. Definitely. Yep. Now, how is she doing now, your client? Oh my gosh, she is doing great. But it did take her a couple of years and some diligence on her part to establish the real food habit. Before she even saw me a year ago, she had been seeing Anna. So this had been going on for a while. So like I said, a couple of years of a lot of diligence and developing that real food habit. But by eating real food in balance... And by taking our Crave Control supplement for a while, she got rid of her cravings and she has successfully come off of her metformin. She looks great. She feels great. No creams for acne, no waxing for facial hair. And in addition to eating well, two supplements that she's continuing to take and probably will for a lifetime are bifidobacteria and omega-3 fish oils. Well, that's a wonderful story, Cassie. Mm -hmm. And, you know, women might get the diagnosis of PCOS And then be told they need to go on medication or take birth control to regulate their menstrual cycle. But your client's experience just shows that by changing eating and adding a couple of key supplements, she actually got off medication and eliminated her symptoms. Yeah. I mean, I would basically say she reversed her PCOS. And, you know, that it can take a while, though. I want people to know it's not overnight. So it does require some patience and sticking with a good plan. And omega-3 fish oil, you know, we should maybe, I know we're going to run out of time here, but before that music starts, we should talk for a minute about why omega-3 fish oil can help. Mm -hmm. Omega-3s help heal insulin resistance. Whereas drugs like metformin that my client was on are just a Band-Aid approach to reducing the insulin in the body. The omega-3s actually enhance the insulin receptor sites throughout the body which means your insulin can carry that blood sugar into your cells much more easily, and the end result is lower levels of insulin. And omega-3 fish oil helps in other ways as well. Uh, The American Journal of of Clinical Nutrition reported a study where fish oil reduced testosterone in women with PCOS. Oh, interesting. And, you know, we already talked about how fish oil is effective in lowering triglycerides, And that's another condition that's closely tied to insulin resistance. Right. It's all connected, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always recommend that somebody with PCOS take at least, at least 3,000 milligrams of a high quality fish oil. This client that I had that reversed her PCOS is taking 4,000, but at the very least start with 3,000. Less than that isn't going to touch it. Right. So not just one soft gel a day. It's it's usually three soft gels a day or, you know, four or five, six would not be too much no, to really no. lower that insulin resistance. And know where you're getting your fish oil. A nutritionist's office, a chiropractor's office, both of those would carry what's called pharmaceutical grade, meaning you know you're getting a high quality product. If not, mm-hmm. you could be getting mercury and lead Arsenic. contamination. I mean, yeah, just like fish can have 
high levels of contaminants. Right. A fish think oil about, can as well. Yeah. And then if you're going to pop three or four of them every day. Right. So it pays to get a good quality fish oil. Yep. And, and it's probably cheaper than a prescription of metformin. Yep. Even and, if it's you high know, quality. effective for so many more things than even just PCOS. Right. Right. So, Cassie, oh, there's that music. There. <laughs> well, this was a great show. I do hope we enlightened some people. I know. I hope listeners have a better understanding of the symptoms of PCOS. And really just our message today is that you don't need medication. You just need to change your eating. Yes. And if food you, is the answer. Food is the answer. So thanks for listening. Have a great have, weekend. Bye-bye. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.